Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hey, quick straw poll. Who drove here tonight? Who was, who was blessed to drive here? Uh, keep, keep your hand up if you thought about your engine when you're on the way here. A few of you. Depends on what sort of car you drive. I can see Nathan up there. I know what car you drive, mate. No wonder you're thinking about it. And that's the whole point, isn't it? <laughs> the whole point is if, if the engine's working, life is working. Am I right, Nath? If the engine is right, then all of life seems right. Uh, and look, let me put it to you another way. Here's, here's a question. Have, if there is one word that you could use to describe the overall temperament of Jesus in his ministry, what would it be? And here's one I'll throw at you. How about this one? What about relaxed? What about relaxed? Have you ever noticed when you read through the scriptures how unflappable Jesus is? The guy never seems to be in a tiz. <laughs> he always seems to be so cool, doesn't he? How is that? What we'll hopefully learn tonight and over the next five or so weeks is the answer is a lot more human than we think. And it's this, that what we'll see, and when you read through all of the scriptures, the gospels we call them, the the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, you will see this, that Jesus actually developed six core habits that powered his life. We're going to call that the engine room. It was his engine room. And the more that you look at the life of Jesus, the more you will see how often Jesus went away to work on his engine room. Why? Nath? Because when the engine works, life works. When the engine works, life works. And we see in the life of Jesus that when his engine room worked, man, he cut through his circumstances like a hot knife cuts through butter. Didn't he? Would you like that sort of life? I want that sort of life. I, don't want, I want that life that he had of power, but of poise regardless of the circumstances. And the great promise that we will see in the next couple of weeks, that if we begin to develop these habits, which we can into our life, then we can live that same unflappable life that Jesus lived as well. So tonight, here's where we're going to go. We're going to look at the most fundamental of these. I mean, if you don't get this one, I'm almost going to dare to say that if you don't get what we're about to talk to tonight, there's no point turning up for the next five weeks. Don't take that literally, by the way. (laughs) But the whole point is you've got to get this one tonight, this one habit tonight, if you're going to get the rest of it. If you don't get this, there's almost no point to the rest. Want to know what it is? Want to know what the first habit, the fundamental habit that Jesus had built in his engine room? It's this. Jesus had a habit of Holy Spirit Dependence. Jesus had a form of guidance that was outside of himself. Now, there is, there is no more relevant topic than this in this day and age, right? I was at this, this facilitation course with this guy on communication and he was talking about the ways that he's working with more and more people at executive level and he explained this dynamic I don't know if it's if you've discovered it as well but he said this do you ever find that that every person in an organization thinks that the person above them knows what they're doing (laughs) and then you maybe you've been like this when you get into the position of where that person was you realize you don't know anything at all and the further you go up the chain this guy's working with CEOs the further you get up the chain he came to realize that that he discovered that the CEOs don't know what they're doing. I mean, the CEOs are looking to the numbers. The CEOs are looking to what the market's doing, but the market doesn't know what the market's doing, right? 
all too often people become aware of the fragility and the limits of human wisdom. And so we see in Jesus, and Jesus is the head of our organization, right? My little guy, Zach, he always tells me that Jesus is the boss of the church, not you, Daddy. (laughs) And so if you get up the list, what you'll probably find, like Mikey, you'd know as a team member, Sam sort of doesn't quite know what he's doing. And we go up, the, uh, go up the list and we wonder, well, how did Jesus know what he was doing? I was, I was thinking about this when I was over in Israel because I'm thinking, this guy changed the world from this backwater town that's in the middle of nowhere, the Sea of Galilee, there's still nothing there. How did he change the world? How did he do what he did? And the thought that hit me was this. I'm thinking the one person that I want to meet when I get to heaven is this guy. I want to meet Jesus' rabbi. Right? I, I want who mentored this guy? Who discipled Jesus? Who helped him discover the wisdom of God? Who taught him how to pray? Who who mentored Jesus? I want to meet Jesus' rabbi. Have you ever thought about that? maybe you haven't, and that, that's okay because I, I never used to think like that because I think when we think of the life and the leadership of Jesus, we think that it all just happened in a vacuum. Or more importantly, I think most of us in our generation think like this. We think Jesus just got all of the wisdom of God downloaded into the back of his head like the Matrix. You know, there it was. Oh. What we come to realise is when you read scriptures like, uh, where is it here, John chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. How did Jesus see what the Father was doing? Jesus habitually depended on the Holy Spirit. Look, he was, look at this. He was conceived by the Spirit, Luke 1. He was anointed by the Spirit, Luke 4. He was filled with the Spirit, John 3. He was led by the Spirit. He was rejoiced in the Spirit, Luke 10. Now, look, I'm rattling off Scripture not to try and impress you, but because I want you to get this one thing, that Jesus did not dip into his divinity in order to live out his humanity. He didn't play the God card. He, he, he didn't... He didn't just sort of have some special little phone line to God. He didn't dip into his divinity to live out his humanity. Uh, Gerald Hawthorne in his book, The Presence and the Power, The Significance of the Holy Spirit in the Life of Jesus, he says this, Jesus was truly the eternal God, very God of very God. But when he came down from yonder heights of glory, he voluntarily suspended the direct operation of his own independent power. And became dependent on the Holy Spirit. I love this bit. He took his place side by side with us, heeding equally with the humblest of disciples. The power and the guidance of God through the Holy Spirit. You know what that means for you? What it means for you is that the resources that were available to Jesus and all the amazing stuff that he did in his ministry and his life, the same resources that were available to Jesus are the same resources that are available to you this week. The same stuff, the same external guidance through the Holy Spirit. So all, if all of that... If all of that is available to him and it's available to you, God has given that. That's what John 16, we're going to see, gives us in the Holy Spirit. It means the only variable is this. The only variable is whether or not you will build this Holy Spirit dependence into your life as a habit. Right? How do we do that?
Because look, lots of people ask, well, um, how does the Holy Spirit work? I mean, I've, I've heard this stuff. Do, I don't know, do you get zapped? Do you fall over? Is it some, does he speak words like the voice of God? And you know what? All of, all of that is true to some extent. That can be expressions of the way that the Holy Spirit does work. You can hear the audible voice of God. You can feel the power and the presence of the Spirit. People can fall over. People can do all sorts of different things. You're talking about the lifeline of God here. <laughs> God can do anything. Uh, but, but what does it mean to have a Holy Spirit dependence as a habit in your life? I'm going to give you three micro habits, okay, to help you build the big habit. Here's the micro habits. Here's the how. Here's the first one. You ready? These are a bit like university, by the way. It's night service, so a few of you from uni, you would get this, speaking your language. All right. Uh, 101, 201, 301. 101, the base level subjects. And so all of these things, you know, don't tempt 301 unless you've done 101. Okay. Micro habit 101 of is, is this. It is to will to do the will of God. Jesus says here in John 16, he says, Verse 12, I have much to say to you, but too much for you to bear right now, more than you can now bear. What he's saying here is, you guys, disciples, you're still babes. What he's actually saying, in other words, is if you were to know the call of God on your life and what he is going to call you to do, if you knew that right now, it would crush you. You haven't built the capacity. As much as your heart will want to, you haven't built the capacity to do his will. Now, what do we do with that? On one hand, I find that encouraging because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have moments where I don't do the will of God and I'm one of the pastors. And there was this guy, Paul, in the Bible. It's one of the biggest characters. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I am doing, I don't want to do. Anyone ever felt like that? All right, be encouraged tonight. Paul felt like that. And he was a superstar. What it means is even when you can't do the will of God, Dallas Willard, a Christian philosopher, says this. He says, even if you feel that you can't do the will of God, the one thing that you can do is to will to do the will of God. To want to want to do, the, to desire the desires of God. In other words, get this, your first freedom is where you allow your thoughts to dwell. That's your first freedom. <laughs> where, the, where the Holy Spirit spoke to me, it was an audible voice, it's just... I, I got it. I suddenly realized I felt convicted by this. Holy Spirit said to me this week, he said, Sam, what would your life be like if you spent as much time scanning through your digital Bible on your phone as you do scanning through Facebook, Instagram, and your email? Ow. And what is that? That's the Holy Spirit 101 helping me to will, to will to the will of God. Now let me ground this. To put it a bit more practically, I'll use... I'll use, uh, I'll use a, one of my favorite sayings from our previous senior pastor, Graham Agnew, who's speaking in October with us. Um, he would say this, and it just sums it up so perfectly. Graham used to work like this. He would wake up and he would say this, Lord, I know you're at work. What are you up to today? I want to be a part of it. You know what that is? That's willing to do the will of God. So 101, just wake up, Lord, what are you up to? Can I be a part of it? Ready for micro habit number two? First one is to will the will of God. Micro habit number two is this, that you need to go to the counsellor on a regular basis. Uh, John 16 verse 13, Jesus says, 
Here it is. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, whenever you see in the Bible lots of different translations throughout the Bible for a particular word, and it was this word, this spirit of truth word, when you see lots of translations, you know it's a loaded word. You know, it's a heavy word, it's a nuanced word, and it's a word that you should look up and research. Well, the word that we have underneath spirit of truth here is aleron parakletos. That's the word for the Holy Spirit. It mean, aleron meaning another of the same kind. Heteron, like the word heterosexual, means another of a different kind, male, female. But aleron meant another of the same kind. Parakletos, para, like the word parallel. So to come alongside, parallel, and kaleo, to call out. So what Jesus is trying to describe is this spirit of God is a person that comes alongside you, para, comes alongside you and calls you out. And so what you have here is you have all sorts of different words. Friend, a friend does that. You have spirit of truth, guide, advocate. A legal advocate does that that we read in John 16. But here's the word that I love the most, counsellor. Counsellor, because what do counsellors do? Here's what I found from my own experience what counsellors do. You pay counsellors lots of money per hour to ask you lots of questions so you come to understand what you already knew in the first place. I mean, isn't that how they work? Got any counsellors in the room? Like I, every, whenever I've been come out of a counsellor, there's 90 bucks for a session at least. I'm thinking, at least give me some bullet points. At least give me a flow chart. At least give me an infographic. You know, just don't sit there and ask me questions. I already know that. That's why I'm coming to you. What, what's a counsellor doing? They're guiding you into truth. And a counsellor is, is not necessarily giving you new information. A counsellor is giving information that you already knew. But here's what they're doing. They're making it real to you. And friends do that in the same way, don't they? Have you ever been with friends yet? Think of an example like this. Have you ever been dirty with a friend in your friend circle because they've annoyed you or they've done something to hurt you? And you're really dirty at them and you keep holding the grudge. And then you have that other friend, the peacekeeping friend, maybe you're one of those friends, that comes alongside you. Oh, sounds like parakalay you. And they call you out. And they say, look, don't be like that. You know, Jenny, Jenny just meant that it was a really good haircut. She didn't, that was a, right? She was just an innocent comment. Lighten up and and you go, ah, yeah, I see. What what are they doing? They're they're guiding you into truth in the most simplest of ways. They're coming alongside you and guiding you into truth. And so that's what this counsellor does. This is the work of the Holy Spirit is to come and guide you into truth. And practically, you know, here's how it works. Um, Doubts. Doubts are a classic way that the Holy Spirit works with you. Remember we've said that doubts are simply when your experience in life causes your heart to feel different from what your mind knows to be true. And I don't know if you've found this, but the Holy Spirit, when he works in my life, comes in and says, come on, Sam, I know you feel that way, but that's not how it is. That's not reality. God's not like that. You know this. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take information that you already know and make it real to you. When it comes to sin, well, we've just preached a series on sin. You know, sin is not good deeds versus bad deeds. Sin is 
sin is a human being's almost infinite capacity to not know a truth that they really do know because that truth is too inconvenient or painful. And so when this passage says, oh, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of their sin, it's the role of the Holy Spirit is not to be some voice that says, you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. <laughs> the, Holy, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, you, you know that you know. You ever felt that? You know that you know. You know that this is not in line with God's desire for your life. What are you doing? And then it leads you to the next step. That's 201. I hate when I get to that point because this takes you to 301. And this is, this is, this is the tricky one. Don't, don't attempt this it's like gymnastics, isn't it? Don't attempt until you get to this point. Here's, here's the third one. You step out in obedience in line with the Holy Spirit. You make a choice to walk obediently to that leading of the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo means to walk alongside. There has to be a level of obedience and commitment to the Spirit. And here's why. There is nothing ever in the Bible or said by Jesus or modelled by Jesus that, that is there just to be known intellectually. This is not, this is not a, a revision exercise when you live the Christian life. When Jesus says in chapter, verse 14 of John chapter 16, he says, He will glorify me because the Holy Spirit will take from me that what he will receive and he will make it known to you. He's not talking about the matrix here. When Jesus talks about knowledge, he talks about this. Biblical knowledge, get this definition right, is this. Biblical knowledge is always understanding, head knowledge, plus experience that's been put through the blender of obedience. Want me to say that again? Biblical knowledge is always understanding and experience that's been put through the blender of experience. Biblical knowledge is like an understanding and experience pesto. Right? In other words, it's, it's a combination of the two. Of stepping out in faith, of knowing the truth of God and experiencing that and failing a bit and winning and, and experiencing that. Don't you remember that story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends out the 72 disciples and he says, go out, preach the kingdom of God. And they all come back really, really excited like kids. They're jumping at him saying, Jesus, even the demons submit in your name. And I feel like Jesus probably would have said to him, duh. I told you that. I said the kingdom of heaven's near. That's that's what happens. But what had happened for the disciples? Understanding plus experience put through the blender of obedience. And haven't you ever found with the Holy Spirit only when you step out on that basis and you step out on the leading of the Holy Spirit do you come into a new awakening of, of his reality? And so what it will mean for you is it, it might mean a step of faith obediently. It might mean that tomorrow when you're around the water cooler that you speak up when no one else wants to speak up. It might mean that the Holy Spirit prompts you to share your faith with someone when you think it could be embarrassing because people might see you. It might mean that you pray for someone even though it's awkward because it's after the service and people might see you praying. It, it might mean that he convicts you of things that you know are not right in your life. There comes a point. That's why 301 is dangerous, right? 301 is what you've got to get to. to Once you've understood what, one, you've willed the will of God. Two, that you're constantly going to the counselor on a regular basis. And then three, you step that out. The micro habits of a Holy Spirit dependence. So as we finish tonight, here's what it is. If Jesus habitually depended on the Holy Spirit 
And if those same resources that he had that were available to him are available to us tonight, and if we can build this into a habit into our lives, this is, is possible for us to do. If that is true that we see from the scriptures, then I think it could mean this. That it is possible that you are grossly underestimating what God wants to do through you this week. This is the Spirit of God coming down from heaven, working through you. It's available to you. We just got to build it into a habit. Now, here's what I've read. Habits. I don't know if you've heard the same thing. I heard it. How long does it take to develop a habit? Is it 21 days? 30? 21 days? Yeah. I've heard others said 66 days. I'll go for 21 for preaching purposes. (laughs) And so here's what it means. Look, if you are a follower of Jesus tonight, All I want you to take away from this message is this. I want you to find one thing that we've talked about tonight in these micro habits. Work out whether you're 101, 201, 301. Take that one thing and think about what is it going to require of you to habitually invest in practicing this with regularity and focus for the next 21 days. Let's see what happens. And if you're just checking Christianity out, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe the people here tonight, you've, maybe, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've been dragged here by a friend. And if you have, I'm so sorry. Uh, come in the morning, we give you coffee afterwards. It's all fine. <laughs> and we'll pray for your friend later on. So <laughs> There's, You could be that sort of person or, or maybe, maybe you're the sort of person who's just turned up. And let me ask you this. Of all... Th- all the millions of things that you could be thinking about, right? If your first freedom is where you allow your thoughts to dwell. Here's the question that you need to ask yourself. Why am I thinking about God in this moment tonight? And can I encourage you that if you're thinking on the things of God, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. Prompting you, nudging you, working with you in all of this. So... Christians, what one thing that we've talked about tonight can you put into place with a level of focus and regularity that it becomes a habit of Holy Spirit dependence? Some of you are going, well, Sam, well, what am I going to do? Hey, guys, you work it out. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that's going to mean for you. You've got to work it out. You could tape verses to your ceiling. You could do your devotional of a morning instead of the evening. A whole heap, heap of different things. I'm not going to tell you, and here's why. Because for the last 20 minutes or so, we've all been sitting in the waiting room. If your life is anything like mine, I've come to realize this week, I don't go to the counselor, the counselor, anywhere near enough. As, as we finish up this evening, it's like the big door is opened. The Holy Spirit's walked out and he says, here, I'm ready to see you now. So we come to a time of ministry. Don't get it from me. Do business with him. He will take what is Jesus and make it known to you. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.